0: Morning class, welcome to Art Eater Podcast number eighty. We got a really uh, special one for you today. Uh, today's subject is going to be uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, we'll specifically be analyzing the uh, three trailers that have uh, come out for the game. Uh, as of this recording, the game is not out yet, but the uh, third trailer just recently dropped. Um, yeah, and then we'll of course you know be talking about Breath of the Wild as well. Uh, just a very special game, really really amazing game um so yeah let's let's just get right into it uh first uh, let's do a quick roll call quick introduction I'm your host Richmond I'm uh, one of the founders of art eater uh my background's in art and animation I ran I run a game studio called uh BitEgg, and um yeah yeah I make games for a living and yeah I love games love art uh Adam
1: Hey everybody, what's up? It's Adam. It's AJ. Pleased to be here once again. It's your favorite game, level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. It's always great to be back here with the crew, and I'm very, very hyped about this upcoming episode. I hope that you are too. Uh, I go by AJ on Twitter. You can find me over there at AJ Mattis. I love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see. And yeah, I'm just like really, really excited about this. Tears of the Kingdom in general it's gonna be an incredible game, I think, but we'll get into that later. I'm gonna pass the ball right on over to our guest andy
2: oh hello i'm andy i teach uh, game design and narrative design and i also uh, do game design and narrative design and i like history and swords and stuff so i like uh looking at the possible historic inspirations between like behind stuff in games (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's great. He's very, very good at it as well. It's
0: great to have you back. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Andy Andy yeah. was
0: one of one of the original members of the the podcast team, Art Eater podcast team. Yeah, yeah. And, nice. uh, Andy always helps me, uh you know, look up, do research on all the various Art articles, and yeah, I mean, we're we're brothers. We we've been talking about this stuff uh, our our whole lives, diving deep into this stuff. So, all right, all right, let's get let's get into it. So. Let, let's do it. All right. So Tears yeah, of the Kingdom. Like, oh, All right, go ahead.
2: What? Yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. Like, uh, the third trailer came out uh, recently. And I think uh, watching that one, that was kind of what sparked, like, yeah, we should do a podcast about it. Uh, so, so there were already two other trailers before it. And it's only after watching this third trailer that I went to uh, look at the other ones. So... And uh, what should we start with? Like just the the third trailer's intro.
0: Um, I think uh, Adam had suggested oh, yeah. that maybe we oh, talk right. a little bit yeah. about Breath of the Wild uh, first, yeah, just kind of, yeah, uh, as a warm up, as a warm up, just because uh, exactly. So exactly. this this is the uh, follow up to Breath of the Wild, which came out in what year did that come out in? Was that 2017, twenty seventeen
1: that
3: was.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that feels March third. It feels like yesterday, and yet it's been actually oh, darn, yeah. almost six years. Five years,
3: six, six years, years. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um, gosh, I mean, that was, I would say, one of the games of this generation, right? When people look back on Absolutely. this console generation, that is uh, going to be one of the really defining ones. And uh, I mean, typically Zelda games are, but I, I would say that has become one of uh, the most uh, defining and influential. Zelda games even though um it is you know the newest one um it just Absolutely. made such a deep impression you know like uh like like that that game really uh uh well i was gonna say it, was, it put the switch on the map really it put the uh the the wii u if people had paid attention well. to that wonderful wonderful system uh, they could have experienced yeah. it on there first but um just a really, really great game, just amazing, uh, amazing game design, you know, as Nintendo tackling open world, um, obviously took, took notes from previously existing open world games. Like, uh, yeah, a lot of people point to like Skyrim. I, I think maybe they were studying dragons dogma as well. And then of course, you know, Zelda being the original open world, right. Legend of Zelda on the, uh, NES just, just throws you. In right things. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's sort of like uh, going full circle, right? Is taking influence from um, you know the 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 all the open world games that came after it, and then just kind of redefining the genre because because clearly um, it's gone on to influence like you know Elden Ring, like another uh, really huge yeah. uh, definitive game of this generation, right? So it's uh, it's one of those games uh, that just kind of it, its DNA ends up in a lo- in 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 a lot of other things afterwards, yeah. So yeah, tell yeah. tell us uh, Breath of the Wild. Let's get into that first. Like, uh, what was your first experience with it? Like,
1: okay, I, I I'd like to go. Um, in essence, for me, like, I started playing Breath of the Wild quite funnily enough, literally just last year. So my wonderful girlfriend Rose, she and I have been had been playing through that game, and yeah, like, she'd played through quite a lot of it before, and I just mysteriously, miraculously, had never. I'd seen it, heard a lot about it. Even read articles on it, watched talks about it. I'd heard, I heard so much, but yeah, I just never, never got to play at the time. So I ended up trying it out uh, on her Switch, and it was absolutely magical. Like I really and truly loved every single aspect of booting up for the very first time. Like I, I, I really just had such a such a really fun time just getting into the world, feeling the ways with the ways that the. Um, that the combat worked looking for different like you know components to cook with there's so many different areas of the game that make you feel as if you are really and truly sort of like just exploring like a vast like countryside And I think that that's a big part of like what made this feel so relaxing and so tranquil, so peaceful, like the way in which like the music itself was sort of just like not even necessarily like always playing like a theme, for example, it was always just like slightly in the background, kind of just like giving you lots of like nice wistful and like tranquil, relaxing sort of like outdoorsy tones. Like you just hear like the wind blowing or like trees rustling, leaves rustling. Like it really just set, it, it, it set, like, a sort of perfect kind of, like, a, a reset tone for many areas of, like, the Zelda franchise, in my opinion. I re- I've really, really enjoyed just, like, looking at the way in which that it's handled. Not just, like, the idea of things, like, getting into it later, but, like, timelines possibly, like, converging. But also, like, I've just loved the way that it's sort of taken a, a much more, a much more... um a much more well-reasoned approach to the game's mechanics, I-, I could say. So, for example, getting into the idea of having such sort of like simplified in one way, but also like hard to hard to master in in other ways. Sort of like mechanics, things like the like kinesis, things like um cry- cryosis, like just being able to sort of change and affect the world in this specific physics-based um, in this specific physics-based way. I think it's just really really cool. I'm really really pleased with the ways and which we've been, you know, given such an interesting slew of new ways to interface with the world. Especially with respect to, you know, being able to set things like on fire the ways that we can, being able to interact with like water and ice, being able to, you know, interact with not even just like objects in terms of you know utilizing them as just like things which we can just push and you know move on to a switch and like that's kind of it like the weight of something is very very important in this world like for example you can now cut down a tree and like hit it after using um different like like different slate effects on it and then you can like, oh, like send it flying into like itself. enemies and stuff exactly yeah yeah like y- you can do so many different things with every single item in this world and i think that that is a testament to just like how well thought through their initial design processes were and are there is a a, the gdc talk actually that's available on youtube right now and they speak on just it is a 2017 talk and and uh basically Nintendo's uh, Hidemaru, uh Fujibayashi, uh, Satoru Takizawa, and like Takahiro like Dota, they provided like a really nice look at like basically the ways in which they wanted to try and break conventions within like the world of Zelda through this game. And like they had actually like an NES prototype of like what it was that they wanted to do with Breath of the Wild, like mechanically, and they made everything that they possibly could in this small, small quote unquote, in this very specific Sort of like NES style top down focused game world and they were like all right all of the ways in which we'd like for the player to able to interact with the world, we'll test this out here, first and foremost, so that we can actively build around this in a way that won't, not not just won't make things too complex, it's just that they wanted to go in with a very specific focus of changing how it is that Link as a character can move around and just traverse, and just how it is that he can exist within the idea of his elder world in ways that you know he has not before, and I think that that approach it definitely, definitely shone in this uh, outing for Breath of the Wild, to speak i've i've really enjoyed it
0: yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty it's wild yeah. they they made the whole game in that eight-bit style first um just yeah I, I would like to play that version of the game too
1: yeah right it's really cool it's really really cool like i i love the fact that as well like we've got we, we we have there, there there are many there are many many Zelda games many many Zelda titles and the way in which Link works through them he he does many different types of thing with respect to utilizing different mechanics going through different types of dungeon fighting different types of monsters. but like in this game Breath of the Wild specifically I really have enjoyed the ways in which that they've sort of set not just like shrines as like simple kind of like specific puzzle areas but like they are in essence kind of like little test hubs and like chambers for different types of mechanical puzzle and different types of mechanical like engagement within the game systems itself. And I've just really I've liked that a lot. Like it's been an interesting kind of a break, so to speak. Because there isn't just a kind of all right, this is the one sort of main dungeon where you will utilize this sort of set of items here. And like that's kind of it. They've really sort of like spread and stretched out the ways in which you interface with the world across an entire you know world map. And I think that's really quite a task. And I think that they the the way that they achieved that was through again And that rigorous planning and that you know concerted specific effort through as well, you know, numerous uh game delays, even taking the time to work on things and make sure that they're actively, you know, going to be fixed and also changed and worked on to the best of like, you know, everyone else's uh, like ability. And just yeah, I I just think it's an incredible, incredible feat that they were able to pull this off and not just pull it off just simply, but pull it off with a plum. They they did they did really, really well.
2: Yeah, like uh I remember they and t- the guys who made it, like they had this nice uh, talk about their uh, game design philosophy with like triangles and gravity. Like, did you guys uh, read a translation of that before?
0: No, no, I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that. Can, can you uh, no, elaborate okay. on that?
2: Yeah, like uh, an example with uh, the triangle is like, well, uh, you know, imagine a mountain and you're uh, If you uh, walk towards the mountain, you could climb on top of it. And then uh, from the mountaintop, you can see like behind the mountain. Or you could uh, walk around the mountain and then maybe see something peep out of it. So uh, with their open world, they laid out many triangles. It could be an actual mountain, or it could be a tower, or uh, that covers something behind it. So, like, whenever you're moving, you're always uh, seeing something new, like, every minute. Mm. And then uh, having a sense of gravity, like, uh, what Adam mentioned is uh, all of the things you can do in the game. Like, they mentioned uh, the very early version, they had, like, a kind of standard progression of, like, easy to harder things, but they found, like, oh, it's kind of uh, makes it less interesting. So they uh, adjusted it so you could have like, you know, right near the start of the game, uh, you might see like, oh, there's a fire and like some monsters or there's a cave and then there's like a giant skull. So Hmm. the skull just feels a lot more threatening with like more monsters around it. But it uh, gives the different players, you know, their choice of what they prefer. Some people will go like straight at the most interesting but dangerous thing. Others will go well. That looks really tough. I'm gonna go uh, search, you know, around uh, beat the smaller stuff to prepare myself to fight that obviously more dangerous part.
0: That's such and, incredible, uh, like insight, you know, to, to be able to kind of yeah, simplify it into the values, yeah, and to, to deliver yeah. on it too. Wow. Yeah,
2: yeah. kind of remind me of like uh, you know, Fall Fantasy Twelve. You know, there's a dinosaur right at the start of the game and it looks way tougher than everything and it is. But yeah. just like putting it there makes the world feel more alive because the dinosaur will kick your butt. <laughs> um right. I mean, yeah. So and then uh recently I just coincidentally came across this like interview with uh Shigeru Miyamoto from nineteen ninety six where he just mentioned something about like uh games shouldn't be beholden to movies and they like at least for his like Nintendo philosophy, it's they they should always strive to be toy like, you know, uh have fun rolling a, a ball or have fun rolling a boulder in a game. And I thought that uh yeah, it's just like, oh well that feels like Breath of the Wild was the uh, kind of full realization of of that. Yeah. Because uh, it is a very nice looking game. uh, It is beautiful and like very well put together. But if it was like simply cinematic, then it would, uh, you know, like that just be kind of normal. But then having like the weird stuff that's just completely toy like, you know, here's a magnet. Here's a way you can make ice cubes. Here's where you can uh, freeze time and then gather kinetic energy on what you're hitting, so you can fly across the map. Like that's not something you would do in like a linear movie story. It's something uh, you would give like the player to, like it's uh, treating the sandbox as a sandbox, as in like you can play in this box. Yeah, I thought that was really. Nice.
0: I-, I think me that, that's Absolutely. the most impressive thing about the game is it, it truly feels like an open sandbox without undermining the immersion and also without feeling overly prescriptive and also not feeling totally random which is like all the ways that um you know open world games uh, c- can kind of fall apart a little bit right sometimes you just kind of break the game mechanically and you're like yep you're just ragdolling people like right it's it's like a physics demo you know and then other times um, you know uh like with a lot of recent AAA games it's just like hey go here collect this go here like it's it's really it, it it's pretty linear like it, it's just telling you everything's signposted and then on the other yeah. end you know like um earlier uh uh sandbox games um they could be a little bit random Right, like it, it's like you, you just like something really weird happens, but um, it it doesn't necessarily like flow together, you know. Like you, it, it looks like an old a classic problem for these games is like you might kill a boss like in this area and then talk to someone else who you were supposed to talk to before you kill that guy, and then like the story yeah. can go out of sync and stuff. Um, but Breath of the Wild doesn't suffer from any of that. It's it's so polished, and that is like so impressive.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I w- I was literally just I was just re-watching areas of like these um, really intriguing interview series, they've got like The Making of Zelda, Breath of the Wild video, the beginning of uh, on Nintendo of America's channel on YouTube, you should definitely check that out as well listeners, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah like, just the ways in which they're speaking so specifically about what we are, that they're literally saying to us here like, a catchphrase uh, breaking the conventions of the Zelda series was like very fundamentally important to like this game's, you know, just core foundations, like they were saying before, for example, up until that point 2d and 3d zelda games featured worlds that were created by connecting lots of similar areas together but really those games were created that way simply out of necessity due to technical technological limitations of the time and it's just like thinking about that specifically they've always wanted to make a version of breath of the wild in some sense it's just like so many of the different technological limitations of the time were stopping them in in many different ways but at the same time as well We will be seeing, I think now, especially with respect to Tales of the Kingdom, exploration of different modes of travel so for example again like that's one of the things that i'm so excited by with respect to this new outing that they're about to go on but also just again by breath of the wild like they very specifically wanted to work on having us be able to move around this world in different ways they've expanded it for the purpose of giving us these different traversal mechanics and these new ways of like seeing how as you know andy and yourself just mentioned earlier just how large this place is just how sort of like free you are to go wherever it is that you like and i think that that was a very big and important part of this game especially with respect to again like those establishing those establishing shots of you know like link looking out over the great plateau at the start of the game you know like those are huge and important moments for you know not just like zelda as like a franchise quote-unquote but for the idea of you know the expansion of, of games media itself with respect to you know the, the sky being the limit so to speak and i think that when we look so specifically at how far we can go sort of like within a game world i think that that is a very interesting sort of point that it's not always it's it's not always a, a bad thing so to speak but i think it's, it's a really interesting point that we um that we hop on so much just about like how large a place can be be where even so like even in some games they were able to fit the most expansive worlds, the most interesting characters into games that are smaller than images that we send to each other now. You hmm. know, I, I think that yeah. that there's so much to be said about just like the the specific and intentional crafting of an area too as well as its size. And I think that they've perfectly managed to blend both areas of those aspects of design and creation into this project. There's nothing that happens in Breath of the Wild's area that makes you you know, bored, you you can walk around and there's oh. always something to do. There's always, always someone to talk to. There's always something going on. And I think that filling such a large space with that really intriguing engagement, I think it's just amazing. I think it's really important just that I, we I, get I, to that. Too. I just
0: want to point out, though, that it's not just there's a lot of content, right? It's not, oh, I go here, press a button, watch yeah. something like it. It feels playful. It feels like you're really exploring. And you're discovering what there is to do. It's not like, you know, it's 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 not signposted. It's just like I think I can climb up mm-hmm. there, and oh, cool! Or it's just a delightful moment I had playing the game was like when or just when I had gotten uh I, the the torch, I was just like, hey, yes. there's some leaves. I wonder if I could set the leaves on fire, and then yeah, I set it on fire, and then like suddenly a little uh korak seed guy popped out and i was like what the hell is that Because like i had never seen them before and then it was like oh you found me <laughs> you know and i was like well what a nice reward like i didn't expect that no one had told me that these little guys were scattered all over i had to discover them like i discovered them myself just just from feeling playful you know that's oh absolutely. That's like, so cool. Uh,
2: you know having uh interactions that they're not like a big like arrow and like text telling you to do it but yep. if you have a torch and and something looks flammable and uh, also like uh, but yeah like you're just gonna go burn it and then yeah. you'll uh, discover something it's like uh, you know it's like all of these lessons from a lot of different Nintendo games coming together like metroid you know that was the big exploration puzzle game
3: oh and yeah it's like
2: well mm-hmm. how do you uh tell the player that these walls and ceilings are breakable well uh what if you just put some crawling enemies on there so they just feel like well i'm gonna attack the enemy and yeah. then <laughs> once they like, shoot the enemy they shoot the wall
0: yeah that's that's some deep thinking <laughs>
2: yeah Absolutely. and uh with the vehicles, like. Yeah, Tears of the Kingdom has like customizable vehicles and that could be uh, perhaps inspired by like the emergent gameplay from uh, Breath of the Wild where people were like, you know, if I put this wood on top of these two boulders, I can make a car or like building a flying machine using like a metal. I don't even know what the interaction is. It's like metal boat parts and like a cube
3: Hmm. yeah
2: so they seem to like yeah it does seem to be like oh uh, freedom yeah
1: so much yeah. I think one of the coolest things about this for me is again it's it's the fact that like so many of these ideas were always possible mentally I think that they really wanted to do so much of what it is that we're seeing now especially when we look back at concept art for example like there is a piece of concept art I've just put it in our little chat here but like they had like an initial idea for Breath of the Wild where they would be able to have UFOs just you know invading from space and like Whoa. abducting cattle possibly and like oh, just yeah. imagining like you know just, just imagining that that thought process Process, just that ability to be like hey you know what why don't we just like not just put UFOs in here for no reason like let's try and like weave these you know UFOs like into this story weave them into like this gameplay but also just like the the boldness to sort of even suggest that the boldness and the sort of again the imagination that the playfulness as Richmond was saying just before to be able to just you know have that as an idea that people will you know draw take seriously want to include I think it's I think it's an incredible thing and I think that this again speaks very much to the technological advancement or the technological inclusion of an advanced like racist tech for example with respect to like the zone Eye, which we're seeing now in this new uh set of trailers and stuff i think that it's going to be really really cool to look at how it is that they as andy was saying like include more aspects of specific technological inclusions different bits of like yeah. okay we had this really we, we had a bit of a kind of a it was almost like magic right it's almost like how going back to again randomly we speak very much about I'm <clears throat> sorry, I'm a bit, bit dry throated. We speak very much about uh, Guilty Gear on this podcast, but like, you know, Guilty Gear's magic that is it, it's like a magic tech and I think that people often forget about like the technological aspects of how it is that that world sort of like works and I think that this is very similar to me I think that we have here uh, a world in which we have so many different types of you know very very advanced technological advancement especially with respect to you know the the Sheikah Slate that looks like an iPad you know like that's literally it's a handheld tablet that he uses he downloads apps on it and goes around utilizing those apps and is able to use those as game mechanics and like That is a very specific technological sort of um, sentiment and the rhetoric that we use there, it ties into our, you know, daily lives. We all hold a little Sheikah Slate with us. And I think that's a really cool touch that they've been able to sort of take from a sort of science fiction, quote unquote, aspect and, you know, really weave that into this fantastical world. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And like uh, this did start off on the Wii U. So like you were holding the Sheikah Slate in your hands and uh, yeah. Also, like, uh, two years before its release, uh, the Wii U had uh, really great open world exploration in uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X. Like, that was a game I put a lot of hours into, and I feel that uh, it was definitely, like, overlap between, like, oh, yeah. you know, this open world game where uh, you start off on, like, I mean, its it doesn't go into, like, magnets and, like, building cars out of, found parts but it's uh you know you run around on foot then your your scale robot uh you get that and it turns into a vehicle and you can like dash around like jump off a cliff to reach uh, another cliff and then eventually you get a flight pack and the open world like just doubles in size because uh like off in the distance you can see like floating islands and now you can uh, finally get to them and then uh, Tears of the Kingdom, like prominently has like floating islands.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah. In in Xenoblade, uh, the world really opens up once you uh, upgrade your your mecha, right?
3: Yeah. 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 And the like, camera uh, even
0: kind of zooms out, gives you a broader view. Suddenly, the world feels bigger and smaller at the yeah. same time, like more traversal. Because like, uh, you. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, it was a very like beautiful game, man. The Wii U wasn't like very powerful, but uh, I don't know, they just really super duper optimized it really well.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that that team is amazing because, like, like you said, that was the most underpowered console of that generation, and yet they made like the most huge explorable, like, uh, open world game, you
3: yeah. know,
2: yeah, like, uh, the later Xenoblades. Uh uh on the switch are also known for like wow you know they do a lot uh for their open world without uh, yeah without like sacrificing anything
1: yeah absolutely one of the coolest things about this to me actually as well is just the fact that like zelda like in and of itself it's always been so specifically focused on, like, just this just this core tenet of just, like, exploration. When, whenever I'm looking at a Zelda game, whenever I'm thinking about a Zelda game, I'm thinking about the idea of discovering something that I've never, you know, really seen before. And I think that, especially with respect to how it is that they've designed other games, like, they've always been very specific about, like, keeping, you know, the whole, oh, there's a whole different area behind this hidden fake oh. Uh, rock wall just blow it up with a bomb and like get inside of it or oh look that is like a a grave that we can push as we could like you know link to the past let's uh, push this grave and then oop, look at that the stairs underneath it like i just think that there are so many very specific ways in which they've decided to keep those seemingly basic but albeit meaningful ways of discovering new areas and discovering new yeah. ways to get around the world itself I think that they didn't they, they didn't discard that they didn't say all right we don't do that anymore like they kept it and I think that again it speaks to this playful this, this this playful sort of like tranquil almost sort of like calmness that they take with respect to designing like the game like it's just like hey you know what we've done this before but like it doesn't matter i'm just gonna do it again just because like, it's fun people like it and it really speaks to again that very specific type of like adventure that you could find you know even like as a kid you know when you are running around through a forest or when you're running around just through yeah. a park and you're trying to find a, a new space or a new place to play hide and seek or something like that like that's what kids you know do they'll they'll, they'll climb those trees they'll they'll hide behind like a, a trunk they'll, they'll do anything just to be able to you know be in, in, that, in that world or to be in that moment and I think that yeah. so much of what it is that we see with respect to this game it, it's speaks to that even again going back to the koroks like they're just they're all playing just hide and seek that's what they are yeah. they're, they're little yeah. kid yeah. spirits that, that do that and i think that it's a really interesting thing that links back to again mixing mm. that childish and childlike kind of like desire to, to play and to have fun but at the same time like doing so through these very specific Game design, like based puzzles, being able to figure out, okay, like that area looks a little bit strange. I'll interact with it in this way, as I have with other elements of the game, and then boom, you are rewarded. But in essence, you're you're playing with those quirks, you know. That's that's what it is that you're doing, and I think that. Just in those moments, it really sort of encapsulates just the sort of a design, uh, a, a, a design, um, a fundamental design uh, narrative, a fundamental sort of design philosophy, if you will. I think that it's just, it's very, very specifically speaking about the ways in which that we play, not just with the world, but with characters kind of like in the world, that they would involve us in their own like little game. I think it's a really interesting sort of uh, a loop of sorts that we, uh, that we go on throughout this game. It's really, really cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I believe that was the core inspiration for uh, the first Zelda to begin with, was uh, Shigeru Miyamoto just drawing on his childhood, you know, just going out to the woods, just exploring. It was just that that feeling of uh, wonder and uh, you know, curiosity, wanderlust. Yeah. You know, the most Absolutely. important things for an adventure game and for life. <laughs> That's, those yeah. are pretty key things. I hope everyone gets a chance to feel those things in, in their lives, in their real lives. Yeah
2: feel like uh nintendo game design kind of feels like a parent just making sure the kid doesn't like fall off a cliff but just nudging them towards interesting things and just making it feel like uh you're discovering it yourself which you are but it's like you know it was a built experience and uh just in general just thinking that uh you know lots of nintendo games uh Especially like two D side scrollers, you know, you can just run full speed ahead, but uh, they've always been really good at like uh, not feeling like you just slam into a wall. Like even if you're just yes. running as fast as you can in Mario and in, uh, Metroid, or yeah. even in like three D Zelda, it's uh, kind of like back to that triangle feeling. It's when you turn a corner, it's not suddenly like you hit your nose on a wall or you fall down a hole. It's uh, ah, it just feels right and interesting. And uh, I don't know, Richmond, like you, you get lost in a lot of 3D games, right? I do, like, yes. Uh, but do you feel that uh, Breath of the Wild gave you like a lot of anchoring points and a good sense of like where you, you're going?
0: Yes, that's exactly why I don't get lost in in nintendo games uh, specifically is that that were the, those anchor points those big visual anchor points right those like you yeah. know where where i am in the world right because i um for whatever reason if, if the environments are kind of repetitive looking like i'm just like oh shoot where am i did, did i just turn left or right like i don't remember right but um uh breath of the wild and uh you know before that Metroid okay. Prime I thought was really well, excellent he still
2: managed to play like early fantasy star and persona
3: yeah oh
0: I got <laughs> so lost in, in 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 persona I really had to draw a map like on paper and I get lost oh, again yeah. in fantasy star I just had to constantly call up the uh, mini map because I, I I would get lost so much but yeah not not an issue with Metroid Prime not an issue in uh, you know Mar- uh, Mario 64. Um yeah, and Nintendo's just so good at that.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I I just want to get I just want to get into this very very briefly. So, what we're speaking about here specifically, we in in games we call these weenies. Uh it's like it's a bit of a strange term, but yeah, thought to be weenie W E E N I E. Uh yeah, nice. like uh, yeah, yeah 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 so in essence like what it is that they're for they're basically for sort of like acting like as a goal or to something help to help uh, show like progress through like a level that the player might be making but it also helps the player like reorient themselves just as you've mentioned there like this is specifically what it is that we design these for so we speak about how this original idea kind of comes from like in essence like areas of like Walt Disney and his like, theme park design as well specifically thinking about like the focus of like the castle at Disney World as a specific place to be centered in the park in order to allow for guests to reorient themselves and find their way around. And I think that that's like, it's a really important part of how it is that we design as game and level designers, how it is that we create worlds where people can obviously orient themselves, but also we want for these people to be able to look at the world as they see real life so for example like we have landmarks in reality we have numerous different both historical Mm -hmm. just regular architectural like just landmarks and stuff but even again like natural geographical ones like hey what do we tell people when we need to give them directions oh uh, turn left on the avenue and then there's a big tree can't miss it like that's how it is that we speak about directions and i think that the inclusion of that but also like the naming of this specifically in game design based language is incredibly important i'm a big sort of like like guess just uh i'm a big believer in in the idea that you know things should have names and that we should and that that we should speak about them with specific intention and always trying to you know expand upon these in good faith and build a specific game design fundamental uh dictionary so to speak and i think that this is a very very big thing that doesn't always get talked about enough so this is one of many level design tools and techniques and i think that it's an incredibly important one so yeah just wanted to get that in there for sure shout out level design
2: when you give something a name you're kind of uh, creating a space for it
1: exactly yeah why, why is it called a weenie okay so in essence from what it is that i know um apparently these came from like walt Disney, and in areas of, like, his theme park design, the term had been, like, utilized. I don't know exactly if that in and of itself is the specific reason, but just, like, yeah, like, weenies, they basically are just... That specific um they're like a big flag, basically, just being able okay. to sort of give someone else like clues with respect to where it is that they need to go within an area or just being like a, a larger sort of general landmark, but I guess like the the specific name of like the term in itself it just uh, it's just one that's just kind of stuck, i suppose, but yeah like mm. it's uh, it's it's a really interesting one, yeah
0: yeah yeah um i i i i feel like uh something that probably informs uh nintendo's level design is um and uh, i don't know this is this may sound like a reach to a lot of people but um you know, have, have have you guys been i know andy has uh, have, have you been to yeah, kyoto oh, no, the, i no i have not <laughs> so nintendo is uh located you know in kyoto they, they've been there oh, for over a hundred years right and kyoto is the old capital you know it's a, a beautiful city beautiful uh amazing city full of temples it's super walkable And, and it has been for, for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I think, um, you know, a company kind of takes on the character of, of the place that they're from, right? Like, like when, when I went to Osaka, I was like, okay. I can see how like Capcom and SNK are from here. Like it's a really upbeat, energetic, festive town. And then, and then when I went to Kyoto, I was like, oh, it's like, everything's very, um, just everything's so neat and tidy and beautiful and um there was one place in particular that made me really think about how like architecture you know kind of relates to game design and that was the uh, the silver pavilion it's it's a famous uh location famous temple in uh, kyoto uh it's it's called the Ginkakuji. it's the japanese name silver pavilion it was um built originally in 1482 by the shogun ashikaga yoshimasa and uh, yeah, he retired there, and he built it after uh, the Golden Pavilion, which is an older, you know, uh, uh, architectural one. Yeah. Another must see. So, like, so this... uh,
2: they they both show up in Pokemon Gold and Silver, oh, respectively. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yes,
2: yes, they do. Ah,
0: okay, okay. So so just this place was already modeled after another place to begin with. So like already there's sort of like this deliberate sense of like design to it that right, and then on top of that like. You know this was like the most powerful wealthy guy in the country and he just wanted a place that was really fun to hang out right naturally like you know back then um back then just walking around places was like a form of entertainment right and then um yeah. so so after he passed away in, in in 1490 they converted it to a temple and since then you know they've added stuff to it and in addition to the beautiful pavilion that it's named after there's a really beautiful zen garden and um I remember walking through that place and just thinking, like everywhere that I'm at, there's something interesting to look at. Right. And then I walk over here and suddenly I get like a, a new and interesting view of like this other place that I just was. And you just go along the path and it it's so thoughtfully curated. And um I just thought like, you know, like that, that's exactly how like video games should be designed, right? um and it's it's sort of a natural way of thinking right like i think human beings have been um designing their actual living spaces like this for for a long time right because you, you just you they're, they're you know every country every culture has its own uh design philosophies for for uh you know living spaces and you know china has like feng shui and and um, you know the zen gardens have like their own uh, very, very uh, deliberate philosophies behind them, and and if you go to Kyoto and you go yeah, gardens, you're cutting off a little. Oh, Emma, oh, sorry. Okay. It's okay. Um. Gosh, uh, I'll I'll just rewind a bit. It's,
1: yeah, it's okay. You got it.
0: Oh yeah. Um. So yeah. yeah. So, like, so just uh, basically, so I, yeah. I, I I feel like um. You know, Nintendo being in Kyoto. I don't think it's too much of a reach to think that no, that the, the character of the city has influenced, you know, their approach to game design, which is this really deliberate, really thoughtful, methodical, but also like really naturalistic, like no signposts, you know, just, just like let people go at their own pace and discover this cool stuff for themselves. Like, I think they picked up that character of the city really beautifully.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. And I think, uh... Even, like, all of the major temples are designed quite differently from yeah. each other.
0: They're, like, different levels, like right? <laughs>
2: <it's>, uh, <laughs> yes. And then, uh, you know, the Zelda games did start off as going to different temples with yeah. different elemental themes. Like, Absolutely. Uh, so the silver temple, its uh, it's, like, surrounded by water, right?
0: Yeah, yeah yeah there's yeah there's there's like uh there's water there's the sand uh garden yeah yeah there's a uh, moss garden
2: you know there's the uh fushimi nari taisha like the the small mountain covered in like fox shrines oh yeah and so that's like uh (laughs) instead of like a flat water area it's like oh you go uh you know upwards vertically and uh one of the uh Famous stops there is the uh, a thunderstone that was uh, t- touched by Inari. So, like, uh, swordsmiths used to go there, and now in modern times, it's like people that work in heavy industry go there, touch the stone for that thunder energy. Nice. and that's hmm, uh, wow. you know, something that shows up in Pokemon and with a you know, a small thunderstone, and then later Pokemon that yeah. uh. They had like uh, elemental stones instead of a consumable stone that was like, Oh, here's this big rock infused with thunder. It's like, Oh yeah, I've I've been there before, that's cool.
1: Hmm. Yeah. But uh, gosh, gosh. Yeah. It really is. It really really is you. awesome. Yeah. Gosh, I yeah. I, I have to, I have to go one day. Like I really have to. I'd love to yeah. it's one of my life goals to to visit Japan and to just uh, take yeah. in so much of the area. So that I'm gonna love it.
2: Yeah, lots of good food. Yeah. Uh, oh, but uh, Richmond, I like uh, it. Also came to mind, you know, like uh, the way the Ghibli Museum is designed. Like, yes, the way yeah, you described yeah, yeah. the temple was also like the way you talked about the Ghibli Museum before of how, like, uh, you know, like just walking around, you might see one brick in the wall that has like a face on it, and it's just there for fun, and like. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki talks about you know it being designed for like a children's level where they're much uh, closer to the ground, so everything is much larger to them. So like uh, what would be something that an adult can walk through very quickly, like would be uh, you know a much more spacious and like focused walk for them, and they'll see lots of stuff and. Uh, Oh, uh, also a nice note on Ghibli Museum is that uh it was mostly designed by Gorō Miyazaki since he's a landscaper.
3: Mm, yeah,
0: that's right.
2: So it was like uh and then there's like the other uh, Miyazaki son. I don't. I think he he did like some of the uh, installations within it, but his like oh all of the. Uh, The Miyazaki father and sons all work together on that museum. So it has a very pleasant space. Yeah. Like a nice feeling.
1: It's lovely. Yeah. Absolutely. I just have to mention this as well, just because we'll, we'll sort of change tags slightly and just get into this, but goodness gracious, yeah. there are so many very specific links between uh, the works of, of Studio Ghibli and uh, this this uh, beautiful world, which we call Breath of the Wild. It's just so clear yeah. how much has been yeah. very much inspired. Everything from like Princess Mononoke to like House Moving Castle. So just like so many different, like beautiful films, which we know and love. And if you haven't seen, please do but also like on top of this just like just everything from like just areas of like the music very specific you know sentiments with respect to like the power of like nature and it's like and it's reclamation of like space and just like i just think it's so so cool like just seeing the significance of like such specific and beautiful artwork with respect to princess mononoke and again like even when that came out back in like 1997 just again me barely even having existed for like a year at that point just thinking about like the fact that like a movie from then can still like reach forward into like the the present day now and still have such a strong cultural and significant like footprint across like digital and just creative media in general that's just a wild thing to think about but obviously you know we when we see the koroks we see that level of inspiration of you know like the uh little white forest spirits of the trees and like you know just thinking about that small cute forest guardian just being able to see the fact that we you know we have a lord of the mountain of when we speak of like satori satori forest satori um, mountain stuff like that mm-hmm. and just looking at the way that even again like calamity ganon's like you know final ball form just thinking about the way in which that obviously evokes the uh the the sort of evil that like ashitaka has to you know defeat and yeah. confront within himself as well as it you know touches his arm and stuff as we see again now in um you know uh in tears of the kingdom we have you know link with his own arm being you know touched by malice so to speak, and I think that it's just so specifically going not one for one in a way that's like bad but it's like it's paying homage but also it's building upon it in a way that i think only helps to sort of strengthen speak to its own inner world and i think that's just a really cool thing that we're that we're getting to that we're getting to witness we're getting to see two you know really important parts of just like games and animation media just talk to each other in essence and i think it's a really beautiful thing yeah
2: yeah like uh I don't know, when Breath of the Wild, like when the trailers and footage was dropping, it was like, wow, they, they're really making it like uh, Ghibli looking, like yeah. harder than they've ever done before. Like, uh, I mean, the, the Miyazaki influence like, is just kind of everywhere. Like, uh, so it's not like it was suddenly a new thing, but it's like, Yeah, as you said, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild, just even the colors and the music is like, ah, just feels like uh, Princess Mononoke.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, now it seems like Tears of the Kingdom is going like much heavier into the uh, Nausicaa side. You know, like what happened to this ancient civilization? And uh, it's uh, interesting in that the Japanese Tears of the Kingdom website actually uh, gives you more of a Nausicaa lore hint than the American website. Oh yeah, because like the American oh, wow. load screen is the uh, Triforce, which is like oh it's the uh, symbol of uh, you know the Zelda series, but the Japanese loading screen, uh, it's something unique to Tears of the Kingdom, and it it's like uh, the stylized hand with like three eyes over it like what the you know the eyes that have shown up with the shika and like the uh, the taotia type masks and like uh, Majora's mask and then uh, there's these talismans that feel like a Taoist talisman writing so it's all things that would be more familiar to a Japanese audience especially like a Nausicaa reading audience so I do wonder like uh if there was communication for that like between like US and Japan because it did feel like man this is everyone who's like uh, not even watch Nausicaa this is like reading Nausicaa the manga
0: yeah, it like it's deeper uh, than the movie mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Much. yeah it uh, really felt like this character that was uh, left out of the movie because well they didn't want it to run for too long and originally the movie was only uh, supposed to promote the, uh, the manga is supposed to be like a 20 minute short of just like, hey, you know, let's get people to uh, read this uh, serialized manga that Miyazaki's doing in uh, the magazine, and then just turn into a full movie afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, so um, in the Nausicaa manga, there's the, uh, the Dorok. they're like a major eastern feeling kingdom that like the Breath of the Wild, Chica really feel closer to. And their thing is that they have uh, control of a lot of like minds that dig deep into the earth to unearth ancient technology. So they have uh, that advantage over the other kingdoms. And then they have like a psychic emperor that's, uh, you know, he wears a head covering that's covered in eyes. And uh, if you've played the uh, well, people who have played Dark Souls would recognize it as like, oh, that's the channeler's helmet. Like, you know, there's a... Yeah, Nausicaa would be the common thread between Zelda and Dark Souls games. Well, Nazca is just so influential. Oh, so so you can, uh, find Yeah. Yeah. But um, what I find really interesting is that uh, kind of the way they've set it up, though, it's like... Link is the character that feels the closest to the Dorak emperor because uh their backstory is their line was founded by like you know discovering these ancient ruins and then emerging with the crypt from the crypt with like powerful technology no one else has mm-hmm. and then uh, declaring you know I'm going to save the world and uh with the manga it was like oh there's the uh, prophesized uh, savior uh, that's, you know, Nazica and she's a princess. And then the Dorak emperor is going to find her because he needs her to fulfill his vision of saving the world.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, even so, like, in this game, like, Link literally awakens to find that, like, he's been held in, like, suspended animation in, like, the Shrine of Resurrection for, like, a 100 years. And, like, like that process and in being yeah. initiated by Zelda and her allies, of the Sheikah tribe, like, they basically helped Link heal these super grave injuries that you see that he, you know, finds with, just re- that, yeah. that you see that he re- receives after, you know, his, you know, uh, his, his, uh, effort in the, in the Great War against the Calamity Ganon. But, uh, one of the coolest things about that is, again, as you've just mentioned, like, the, the game literally starts in like a pool of like just liquid technology that's like healing link like these aren't people that are like you know super left behind in the in the advanced sort of like medical technolo- technological you know field like these are people yeah. who have had like the capabilities to do incredible things like things that you know are far even beyond like the the abilities of us like today you know we we can't keep people you know suspended in like perfect preserved like animation for like 100 years now we can't do that but like obviously just thinking about like the level of which the, the level of um mechanical prow- mechanical and medi- medicinal prowess that it would take to be able to you know do that thinking about the ways in which that someone would need to understand technological technological uh, advances that they be making that it's just it's just crazy to think about and i just love the idea that they've been able to sort of mix that so specifically with these beautiful visuals that again are seeped very very deep 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 into the world of zelda again when you look at the idea of um even when he's getting these you know these applications on this you know she slate of his what happens he doesn't just like just pick them up and install them into like a chip they sort of drip down from like a large tablet which is kind of like oozing with like blue technological like energy and like it's liquid information that falls onto the slate and it makes this beautiful little plink noise yeah Uh, it's one of my favorite sound effects for the whole game and it's so good and then like and then you know like you you (laughs) exactly yeah it, it it sounds heavenly it sounds absolutely amazing and then like just that that little like plink noise happens and then like you know yeah you, you get that ability but like just thinking about that in context there like the way that they even transfer information it's so it's so different than anything that we can imagine today we don't we don't send texts like in you know water form you know we, we don't we don't do that to each other like it's really interesting just thinking about the way in which that, that exists within this mm. world and i just want to sort it's, of it's like, get back to that yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, using a uh, water liquid instead of like electro waves. That's a it's like well, uh, everyone already knows what like radio waves are, but if you change the medium but kind of follow the same logic like you have something familiar yet really fresh. I think that's yeah, that is super cool. Yeah. Hmm
1: yeah it's it's just awesome just like I was putting a little clip there, but just I just love the idea of just someone just sitting in this sort of like vat of like fluid. I've always loved that since since I've been a kid, like well be it in yeah. different things like you know like dragon Ball or be it in all different forms of different bits of anime or manga that I've seen or just in anything like the idea that someone's in this like regeneration chamber yeah. and they they break out it's and uh... like they're stronger like I love that I love that so much
2: and even like uh from my uh memory of childhood i remember like my elderly grandfather you know was uh, quite sick so he had like this medicinal bath and it was like this mysterious green water it's like wow oh. that that looks like like something very magical <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but uh yeah. But talking about like the hundred years passing that was uh, an interesting way to do it because uh, you wake up and you kind of piece together, like, oh, hey, uh, Ganon won, uh, Hyrule lost. But uh, Link is still alive, Zelda is still alive, so they still have a chance. And then there's the whole uh, story of like all of the uh, champions that were supposed to fight Ganon that were defeated. Like, they all remember Link, but he doesn't remember them anymore. Hmm and uh yeah. i thought that was uh i feel like uh zelda games they they say like oh there is like a big timeline but uh i don't think that's like ever stops them from doing what they want to do it's more like they just kind of connect things that have like a, a visual cohesion so like oh all of the ones that look like wind waker they take place in a continuous timeline like all the ones that t- look like a ocarina of time, they take place in a continuous timeline. And uh, I was just reading a, a scan of like the official Zelda World book where they talk about the timeline. And uh, have you guys seen that before? Or like, I have indeed. There? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah.
1: That'll have to be a whole yeah. whole other episode or series one day. Just like that's yeah. such a but, giant uh,
2: giant thing. I thought what was really clever is uh, they split the timeline into three different branches with the uh, Ocarina of Time, because the three outcomes in Ocarina of Time are well, uh, you beat the game like as an adult, you beat the game as a kid, or you lose, mm. and so uh, like. Doesn't, like, they definitely didn't plan this from the start, but, like, they just decided to fit things together this way. So the way it splits is uh, the timeline where, like, Link, uh, where you beat the game as an adult, is the ones that just look like Ocarina of Time. So, like, oh, okay, uh, so Breath of the Wild seems to be uh, taking place way after that. But then uh, the one where you beat the game as a child is, like, like, oh, that's where a Wind Waker continues because that's where you play as a child Link. Like, oh, that's, that's like a very terribly simple and th- way to do it, but it like, oh, it just makes sense. But mm-hmm. then, uh, what's most interesting to me is the one where, like, oh, uh, Ganon wins, uh, like, Link was defeated, then that's where the original NES Zelda continues. Oh. Because that's the world mm-hmm. where, like, cannons already around and he's already like a big evil threat so a new link has to go stop him
1: hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah a, it's, it's a fun absolutely
0: incredible. fun way to organize it yeah All right let's uh, let's yeah. talk about those trailers
1: Let's just hop into it yeah, yeah let's get into it
0: Shall we go through right, so... in, in order or reverse chronological order like how, how do we want to do it let's
1: we should probably go through it in in order, I think okay. but yeah, they have they have um they had some trailers and then like sort of like teaser trailers as well, so I'm just gonna try and find them all from when it's we saw because officially they have well sorry, just to, to rephrase, they have the official trailer number one from seven months ago. But obviously we've seen we've seen other things way, way before that. So I think that we should probably go through to the very first see to the very first showing of anything sure. Tears of the Kingdom related. So I think that would probably be one of their E three outings from a few years ago, I think. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna try and yeah. find it, let's see. It was a while ago. There you go. Found it. Okay, so basically what we're looking at here, just posted it in, but for those who'd like to follow along, we're going to be watching the sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild first look trailer from E3 of 2019. If you go to Nintendo of America's YouTube channel, you'll be able to find it there if you just type in what I've mentioned there. That's sequel to The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild first look trailer, E3, Nintendo 2019.
0: All right, I'm going to have a refresher. (laughs) I'm going to take a look myself
1: cool awesome yeah this one just to preface as well this was basically uh, three years ago from today but um sorry, sorry more than three years ago from today but two years prior to uh, the release itself of breath of the wild and now when i tell you that people were absolutely chomping at the bit to see anything new people were absolutely hyped and when i first saw this as well i remember thinking to myself wow this is a total new, it's like a new, it's like a new frontier. Like, I just remember being so, so excited. I remember loving the uh, the music and the, the sound effects that we'll mention and talk about in a little bit when we watch this together. But yeah, this, this one here was a true, true classic trailer. It has like 15 million views as of the day of this recording. And like, it doesn't have those views for no reason. This is a fantastic short little teaser and I really, really enjoy it. So I can't wait to get into this with you guys.
0: Alright, let, let's let's get into it. Let's dive dive into
1: it. Okay, cool. Uh, so here's what we'll do then I guess. We'll probably just watch this all together once and then we'll do a little bit of just mentioning what's going on. We'll I'll do like a little countdown for people to listen to to it with us. And then we'll do like another viewing afterwards where we can just like break it down, like pause it and stuff in between. That sound okay? Yeah, sure. Should be great. Alright, cool. So let's run it. Alright, so I'm uh, gonna press play when I say play. So uh, let's go three two, one, play. Gosh, this was so ominous looking the first time around.
2: Like the big, heavy animal, though, uh, tells you that, well, there's still a living surface and they are well equipped Absolutely. So they're going somewhere intentional. Absolutely. Drinking from an underground river.
0: Yeah, you got that very um, Mononoke, like, angry boar
2: god effect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's even the same color. In many ways, yeah. uh, It's what uh... (laughs) Miyazaki said you have to be feeling like real. Will hate pain in your life to animate it, yeah. but uh, yeah. entwined with it is that glowing script that uh, feels very much like the uh, Nasuka mangas, like Doric Emperor's psychic power when he's releasing his energy to seek out, like uh, the blue-clad one, which would be Zelda here, and then mm-hmm. uh, then there's the corpse of Ganon there, and. Uh, there's speculation about, oh, that's the uh, Twilight Princess Ganon because he's uh, very, wearing very similar jewelry, and he was uh, pierced through the heart, and that's how he was killed in Twilight Princess.
0: Wait, wait. Ah. wait. So that's not—it's a different. It's not from Breath of the Wild. It's—it's <laughs> it's a different Ganon from another game, another timeline. That's the theory. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so basically <laughs>
1: that. Yeah. The, well, in, think, in essence, yeah. Oh, sure, sure. I'll, I'll well, go. So basically, in of um, Wild,
0: he turned into a giant beast, right? Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so here's, so here's what happens basically. So, in essence, there's an overarching sort of like antagonist with respect to like the Zelda series, and this person, well, this being is called Demise. So, in essence, what it is that he seeks to do, he controls hordes from, of demons. a uh,
2: skyward yeah. sword.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So yeah that's it that's their main like appearance and stuff but this being in essence what it is that they like seek to do they make claims that their hatred kind of like will not end but will be reborn through like different coming uh ages so like the form of this evil is brought out to be ganon or is thought to be ganon so p- many people consider ganon to in essence sort of like be this sort of uh it's, it's an embodiment of like this Person sort of, sort of like evil like intent basically. There, there's a human form of Ganon which is also known as like Ganondorf so like they're different forms of like the same wider kind of like sentiment if that makes sense. So Ganon is like a nickname for Ganondorf and it was given to him when he transforms like his true kind of like boar like beast form. That's what we see during you know Breath of the Wild which is what we've always seen throughout numerous different uh, outings in, in Zelda but like he made his first like debut appearance in the very first actual game but it's since like present or referred to in like many of the other sort of like subsequent like titles and stuff but yeah there's a there's a, there's a bit of a difference so when people sort of th- say like Ganon and Ganondorf are like the same like thing always like they, they are in, in in a sense but yeah Ganon is uh yeah Ganon is uh, the beast form of the human form Ganondorf it's, it's a bit like complicated but yeah yeah it's very important like, yeah
2: uh Skyward Sword was uh said to be the earliest game in the timeline. And uh that's the game where the enemy, like the final boss is called Demise and he yep. he's not called Ganon. Mm, but uh okay. once you defeat him, he he says that uh this conflict will keep on repeating. And uh he he just looks like a like an Ashura like, you know what uh Goki yeah. is based off of with like wavy Very red true. hair. Yeah, and, uh, you know, an Asura is a being consumed by hate and is uh, more powerful than a human, but is unable to change from that hate. So they're considered like a lower form because they can't change. Hmm. And uh, so they've kind of continued that like generational hatred theme where like he'll be he'll keep on being reborn to, to fight Link again. And uh, Zelda is like the an incarnate goddess that is also there for to to battle against demise.
1: One of my favorite things about even the name and the word demise is the fact that it means such specific, different but also linked things. It obviously means a person's you know death, they're dying or passing, or someone passing yeah. on a loss of life. If in essence, but also it has a law context, a legal context. So it's an Anglo-Norman legal term for the transfer of an estate, especially by lease. So it has an operative effect in a lease, implying a covenant for quiet enjoyment. In essence, it just, it's, a, it's a it's a conveyance of like a transfer of property or title or will, in essence. It, it's yeah. something that, yeah, it's, it's a transference. And I think that really speaks to the way in which, you know, the story posits what Demise is and what it is that he does in that plot line. He transfers his hatred across time. That's what it is that he does through different forms. And I think that it's such a cool, you know, play on words specifically because of the fact that, like, once someone, you know, falls in one form, they are able to, you know, exist again in another and continue on the same will of the initial Mm -hmm. form. It's a transference. And I think it's just, it's such an interesting idea. It's a very, very cool, very, very cool thing.
3: Yeah.
0: And, um... You know the the miyazaki reference is very appropriate here right like we, we were saying we were noting the tendrils in this trailer look just like the tendrils from uh, nago the boar god at the beginning of uh princess mononoke right when he transforms into the demonic uh, tatarigami and uh, there's just tendrils of hatred coming out of him um you know miyazaki said i think their animation was based on like hagfish like devouring a whale fall you know yeah, uh, just
2: you're cutting off. I didn't hear so you, the, yeah,
1: you cut off just a little bit. Just said, yeah. It's okay, so just go again.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, what was the last thing that you heard? You said it was well, based on
2: about, that kind of... uh, the tendrils. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the
0: yeah. tendrils they were based on a uh, hagfish devouring a uh, whale. Oh, palm, cool. You know, so yeah, it devours this once majestic thing and it kind of creates new life. And in Princess Mononoke, you know, Nago uh, Ashitaka is able kills him but he 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 passes his curse onto him He curses his arm and he passes his hatred onto him right and uh you know they tell him like hey you have to find the source of this curse but they don't they don't even guarantee that it'll break the curse or that it'll save his life he just knows he has to go on a journey and you know yeah he like the movie is about uh his physical and spiritual journey right like it's about how he needs to break that curse of hatred there there are times where the arm actually uh, it's possessed it moves on its own you know it tries to kill like uh lady eboshi immediately you know when when he sees yeah. her right so so that's very it's, yeah. uh
2: with it's the the hagfish and whale fall example it's uh the boar god like It was not like, oh, he uh, was transformed by hatred. It's more like the the hatred fed on him pretty much killed him. And now the hatred is its own life that will keep on continuing on Mm. its own. Yeah. Yeah
1: yeah I, I, ju- I just put in our little chat here that like again demise just give me vibes of a certain someone and it's like that's not for zod you know just like this the idea that this you know being this zod the immortal is responsible for tormenting people over several centuries like who else is doing this like demise in the forms of both like ganon and ganondorf i think it's just it's a really cool idea that there is just this ever living you know seemingly unkillable in any you know quote unquote real way that matters sort of like villain in a, in a story like this and i think I think that that really just, again, speaks to the sort of the, this this sentiment that there's always something greater than like the hero in a way that the hero can't quite match, but always seems to at the end of the day. I think that's one of the main sort of things that we always latch on to, especially as people that create stories, but as people that love the stories, there's always, there, there are these things that are certain in life, just as, you know, life and birth are certain in, in so many different contexts, a continuation of like, evolution. It's a massive fundamental and important part of, you know, how it is that we've come to be that Goes the same thing for like these evil, you know, concepts that they always shift and change. They always, you know, find a way to, you know, adapt and survive, and also just again continue on. And I think that that's one of the more important parts about how it is that we look at not just characters like this, but like their very like sentiment. When we're looking at this trailer here, you know, we're seeing you know a, a character, you know, buried seemingly underneath the earth in a in a crypt, glowing with you know teal gems and the, you know like uh, different beautiful architecture, and it's just. In this beautiful place, can be something so horrible, you know, seemingly reborn and you know given a, a new life. This decrepit, arid-looking body, you know, dev- devoid of any like hydration. As people have been memeing that Gannon or Ganondorf has been like you know rehydrated now. as a funny thing, but like really though, like you know, water in and of itself is is life. Water is such an important part. It, of is, how uh, it is that things are able a to. Pretty you know,
2: liquid-looking hand that revives him. A-
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, in many, in many ways, yeah. Like, and I think it's just it's really intriguing to think about, you know, that thinking about the way in which, you know, we as human beings, we are such a large percentage, you know, water. And I think that it's it's a really cool thing that they've been able to sort of show that, you know, the lack of yeah. that, the lack of water is like, you know, that's a lack of life, and what it is that brings him back is, in essence, that rehydration yeah, aspect, seemingly.
2: That's also how their technology works with the water drop
1: exactly i was just going to mention that yeah like just that very specific tie-in is is really really intriguing to me that that's such a a cool through line and i think that again one of the one of the most important things that we even search for on other planets you know water you know looking for water on, on on other planets which can be you know indicative of different types of life i think it's just it's a really really cool thing that they've really honed into very very well here and in such a short trailer as well, just a minute and twenty-six seconds long, they really did put across so much information now that we're looking back at it. Just the idea yeah. that we're gonna get to roam around Hyrule again is absolutely brilliant. But also they give us just again at around 54 seconds this beautiful shot overlooking the entirety of Hyrule. But again, we see what you know, Hyrule Castle posited in the very center. As we spoke about with respect to Weenies earlier, Hyrule Castle is a is a weenie. That's what it is. It's it's a very specific. Specific tying location that allows for people to find their way around the world. It's the center of this game space, and I think that mm-hmm. you know the uh, the idea that that center of the game space itself, the very heart of it, is you know corrupted. I think that's such an interesting thing. Yeah.
2: And yeah. watching this trailer again, uh, everyone's hands are shown. True. Yeah. Like
0: big focus on hands.
2: It's this kind of liquid, almost tree like hand with uh that gold bangle around that liquid hand is what uh, Link is wearing in the later trailers.
1: Mm. Very true.
2: But um you know it's it's just grabbing Ganon's corpse, like kind of having mastery over Ganon's corpse, but then the uh scene right after that is Link's hand glowing. But then, right after that, is uh, Link and Zelda's hands grasped together.
0: Well, trying mm-hmm. to grasp each other. Yeah. It cuts trying. right before they but, do.
2: Uh, yeah, true. Yes. And then it goes to that uh, liquidy clawed hand grabbing one of them instead. Is that Link or Zelda's arm?
0: Well, actually, right after the hands don't quite clasp, you see it cuts to the entrance it looks like an entrance to a, t- a temple and um you know there's a black dark ominous looking uh, hallway in the middle looks like it just leads to a void and to the side uh, are the you know the columns to the entrance and they look like hands on either side yes, with a black void they do. between them right so that's some, some, they do. some some stark symbolism there
1: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yes, absolutely
2: and the the Japanese website loads with uh, the hand being the most prominent part of the loading icon.
1: Gosh, that, that really is so cool. I, I really just love the fact that like that we can take such specific, you know, parts of like a body and like ascribe mm. such meaning to them, but also that we can just unwrap so much out of just a single trailer. <laughs> I, I'm... Just really, I'm always just impressed when we use stuff like this. It's, just, it's really, really cool to, you know, really get into the, the nitty-gritty of this, because again, like, the idea of someone catching someone as they fall, that's obviously something which we've seen numerous times throughout, not just cinematic history, but just like st- ta- stories and tales and so many different things. There, there are always sort of very pivotal moments when someone's falling and they get caught just at the last second, be it in, you know, like The Amazing Spider-Man, for example, or just numerous different uh, titles and things like that. But I'm really excited to see what happens after that moment after that falling moment after that falling moment gets yet where Link gets grasped with that with that hand again. I think it's gonna be really really interesting to see how it is that we see that um that that change of arm I think because like honestly I'm I, I've been thinking about this myself like a little bit. When we see Link and his um and his armor and his arms like in this uh, trailer itself like there's there's not like a mass amount like of focus like on like him specifically. There there isn't like you see like little bits and pieces of like him To the side, but like, we actually don't see. A lot of his body, a lot at all. Like we see a bit of Zelda, more so. We see Link kind of like in the background, but like we kind of see a lot of people's hands, like but his. And I think that's a really important thing because obviously, as we know now, like we will see Link be able to utilize his new skills with his arm and be able to you know move around the world in many different new types of way. But I would just love to see how it is that that happened, how it is that, that moment occurred. A, a new, a new arm is definitely a massive part of this plotline. Mm. Yeah. This was this was incredible though. This was good. I think the next trailer if anyone would like to move on that would came out in 20 what was it? Was that 2021's E3 teaser I think?
2: Well, okay. I know there is one something marked trailer one. Is
1: that the same? Okay. Um okay, so basically I'm just looking in right now. The one that I was looking at next was this one. That was yeah, sequel to The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, E3 21, 2021 uh, teaser, Nintendo Direct. However, I will have another look. They've released, again, since this time, more trailers. They didn't name them all chronologically. It's fine. We'll just have a quick look right now. OK, so I'm just going to type this in. I
0: think if you go to the Nintendo YouTube, they they should list the uh, the dates that they were posted, right? Yeah, they should do. One sec, have a look here.
1: Let's see. Yeah, I'm just having a look here because there there obviously there are so many videos. <laughs> there are so so many videos. I think okay yes. So we have. That official trailer is number three. Okay. Right, I see, I see. Okay, okay. So yeah, the next one the yeah, the next trailer is the one that I was just having a look at here. It was that um that twenty twenty one teaser, yeah.
2: So the sequel
1: one. Yep, yep. So the, yeah, I was I was correct. Yeah, it's 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 this next one here. It's oh, perfectly enough. There is actually like a video that like got put out, which basically like describes all of them here as well. Which um, goes up until, I think, up until the up until the second trailer. So that's just a good way to sort of like chronologically. Uh, check them out, I guess. I'm just going to put this in here. Okay, the actual thanks. specific order. Yeah, I got it for you guys. But yeah, the actual specific order is like it goes, uh, first look trailer in, 20, in 2019, the E3 2021 uh, teaser, from 2021, the uh, launch timing update uh, from 2022, then you have the official trailer 1, uh, 2022, official trailer 2, 2023, and then the most recent official trailer number 3 from 2023. So yeah, they did a bit of a, an interesting way of, uh, of naming these, I suppose. But hey, listen, we've all done the underscore final, final, dot final in <laughs> our work, so it, it's fine. It's, uh, we, we all get one, right? So basically, I think the next one that we're going to have a look at right now that is yeah, the sequel to Legend of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild E3 2021 teaser. So if anyone could find that um, on, sorry, I found that. If anyone else listening could find that and watch along with us, please do so. I'm going to say that again. That is sequel to the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild E3 2021 teaser, Nintendo Direct. You can find that yeah, online can, uh... on Nintendo of America. Yeah.
2: You can do yeah. a screen share, and then we can just watch it with the music playing and talk over. Oh, it.
1: Oh, true, actually. Um, okay, yeah, I'm that's good idea. Okay, wait. Let me try and like get this and see if this is gonna work out. Let's see.
0: Just uh, make okay. sure
1: to turn the music down so
0: we can um, we can talk over it. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a shot.
1: Let's see. Okay. How's it looking? Is it cool? Okay. Uh, All right. Just just booting up. Yeah, it looks good. All right. Radical. All right. Let's just, you know what? Let's just watch this with me. (laughs) All right. Cool. So let's do it this way. All right. Three, uh, two, one. If for listening, play.
2: So this one starts with fire well the first one started with water
1: yeah very true
2: can you turn Go up out the out all of you- these sounds? oh sure okay Yeah, so this one's focusing on the sky islands.
1: Yeah, very much so.
2: And then more gameplay stuff.
1: Yeah, actually, I'm going to let this loop, actually, so we can check this out. There you go. Yeah, so we finally get to see more of the world uh, sort of start to rise into the sky as well properly. One other thing that's quite interesting as well that I've just thought about, as each trailer goes by, we get to see more of the actual castle come out of the ground too. And I think yeah. that's going to be yeah. really interesting. It's like it's like pulling out like a needle from the ground very slowly, you know. Like you get to see different layers of it, you know, come out from the earth. And I think that's going to be a really cool thing. I, one thing as well that I've wondered too is, will we ever be like on an active part of the ground that comes out and goes into the sky? Not with respect to links, you know, new ability, but like, will it? Will, will we ever be on an area that will do this specific thing that we're seeing here? That will be raised I, out of the ground by I the think malice? So. I think. Yeah,
2: I feel like a uh, mid-game map transformation will be very possible. Yeah, or uh, or even reaching the sky requires like the the castle to go upward.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, the you know the the trailers uh, are linked together. Like the first trailer ends, uh, the teaser ends with you know Ganon looking over, and then just a very zoomed out view. You hear like a whoomp, right? Mm-hmm. and then it's it's yeah. a view of the castle and it just looks like oh just normal day any other day and then all of a sudden woo. yep and then you know and then like more rumbling right as if it's starting to get ready you know so it looks like it's collapsing but then now you see like no 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 it's rising it's rising Once to the, yeah. the
2: hatred is pushing it into pushing the air up.
1: yeah that's right exactly yeah exactly exactly and then that's what's below there about right it.
2: Basically, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: They must be underneath the castle, and that—that that was one of the things which I wanted to get into before, because. Um... I was just watching one of my best friends play through the final area obviously the castle itself Uh, shout out Rochelle and uh yeah like I was having a really good time watching him do it but funnily enough like he actually kind of like used the Revali's Gale and like skipped over like a significant portion of the castle and me and my friends watching we were like whoa what the heck you could do that but also we were like okay listen like you gotta go back through the castle man and he was like okay I'll go back to the castle so Mm -hmm. he did and then we went to like explore it and stuff and like that was one of the coolest you know things watching someone else like explore the this, you know, cavernous system. And I think that getting to possibly explore new areas of that as we're watching here, that will be so interesting because, again, like, we see... we are seeing should this be underneath the castle of course we're seeing new inclusions of different architectural structures and i think that like that's going to be a huge part of like what will bring areas of this game to life i feel that like once we get to see more different types of you know culture for example i'm going to go back and like pause for example we're looking at you know as have been received now as have been sorry um shown now like the zonai they, they, their utilization of this teal rock these kind of like mesoamerican looking like structures they're very specific you know focused on designing things in a certain way but like the areas yeah. underneath the castle they look exactly like this and it makes me think and believe, okay what would like?
2: have yeah. that uh, jade mosaic in ancient china too
1: of course very true very very true yeah it's it's in- incredible i mean yeah. like, just again looking at I'm just, I'm just going through a few different areas here just looking at the way in which we're seeing you know very specific little bits of like architectural design just looking at the way in which we're having these um these little what would you even call them like they're, they're just like these like wing shaped like sort of like carvings on like the sides of different like uh pillars and stone pillars and stuff it's just, relief. Like, really really cool Reliefs, i think yeah relief relief is carving
0: into relief is carving into the surface those are Okay. Okay. Know, okay. You could call them flourishes or wings or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So oh, not really, but sure yeah. Help. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Still, but yeah, like I like that. Uh, it's it's a it's a very specific, you know, like thing that thematically ties in. This game here now is all about you know the air. It's all about wind. It's all about flight. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's really nice to see that we are so specifically tying this into the the game the, the game's uh, architectural you know language. Yeah, like, even like this moment here, for example, where um, at 28 seconds we're seeing Link, you know, falling from the sky to this beautiful, you know, triumphant song. Yeah. It, I think it's it's something as well that like the way that he's falling, the way that he's, you know, got his arms like outstretched and he's completely kind of like relaxed even. I think that it's, it's just so good to see like a new form of a character, which we've seen in one specific way for such a long period of time like we've never seen link look like this before like ever we've seen yeah. him look like versions of his prior iteration with respect to you know that you know uh, that that popular cap and the, you know the green tunic and numerous different versions like of that and like they've not all been the exact same design so to speak of course they haven't but like as we see link now like in this specific screenshot we've never seen him like this at all, especially with respect to the arm, his new hair, the you know, the even just the the sort of clothes that he's wearing. He's not wearing that sort of like longer green tunic and shorts or longer green tunic and pants. He's wearing quite like a short. With short shorts underneath, like a sort of shawl of sorts, with a with yeah. a sort of it's like a toga even, kind of with a with a sort of red sort of green uh, drapery with a little bit of a a yellow trim flourish on the side, and like he's wearing like a bag satchel with like these kind of nice sort of Icarus looking um, sandals that he's wearing on. Well, I think it's just he has a very different look, but this look is suited in my mind to like aerial travel. And I think that that's obviously what he's doing here, but just the way in which that he is, in essence, become like accustomed now to you know, falling and flying and gliding and soaring again, it's, it's really, really cool to look at that.
2: Well, yeah. there is also a kid Icarus kind of dressed true. like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. very that's true. Probably. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah very and, uh, good point.
2: I know that that part it, it reminded me of the uh movie, because uh, the guy's falling through the air to to go, like, kill some people, but uh, well, just the asymmetry tattoos on the arm, like...
0: Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The, the the movie specifically, not the TV series, but the Escaflone movie that's sort of a reimagining of the series, yeah, it starts with them mm-hmm. just falling from the sky uh, and attacking a ship because they're not expecting someone to, to attack them from above. Yeah. Right? And and he has uh, the asymmet- yeah. asymmetric outfit. Um, you know, his, the, the one side is a bear, right? Bear's chest, bare shoulder and arms. And yeah. 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 That's I think that's got to be one yeah. of the big visual inspirations. That was a Nobutero Yuki. Nobutero- oh, Sorry, tongue tied. Nobutero <laughs> Yuki uh, was the uh, character designer on uh, Escaflone.
2: Yeah. Nice. And Secret of Mana.
0: Oh uh, nice. uh, uh on, wow. on 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 and Lotus on, War, right? He was the on Psykind and Setsu three and Kreml yeah, but but not uh not yeah. not Secret not, of the,
2: not the first two, yeah. Not,
0: yeah. But he, I think he must have done some art later uh, for for yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, And, and Lotus Wars and so much more. Uh uh Geek Guy J, J, incredible. Amazing Artist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what well, well,
1: I was just gonna say as well, like uh, Andy, for example, like what what do you think of like some of these like new like enemy designs that we're seeing here? We're seeing like the fusion of like you know Bokoblin and like Talus here. Yeah, we're seeing the this idea that you know like we've got like a, a coalition now between like different enemy types, and I think that's really interesting yeah. because like we can make that we've been able to like, make them you know like, interact pr- previously in uh, Breath of the Wild itself, but I think that it's gonna be it's it's gonna Mark like a like a new sort of like step forward with respect to not just like the idea of you know fusing as a mechanic, we'll get into that a bit later, yeah. but like the idea of fusing enemies too. That's gonna to be really, really cool.
2: I think uh Breath of the Wild, like you could combine, you know, your tools in lots of different ways, but uh the enemies just kind of still fought in a pretty normal way. So I feel that uh Tears of the Kingdom, they're they could be consciously going for like, well, what if the enemies can also, uh, you know, combine things like not to the extent of Link, but like just. Yeah, like having more uh, combinations between them, like now the stones are floating. So those moblins built like their little battle hut on top of it. No, exactly. And yeah. go uh... what, what... Oh. on and then like this clip afterwards is like well they show some of the new powers but uh they kind of yeah it's elementally themed it starts with like you know electromagnetism and it goes to fire then water then earth so perhaps there will be more of like a strong elemental temple theme and uh also, like you know, Link falling from the sky. So far, none of the trailers show you. Uh, well, how did you get up there, right? Ooh. What if you what if it's like uh falling into the chasm beneath the floating Hyrule castle? So you're oh, yeah, falling into guy. another world,
1: okay? That's cool. Well really yeah. interesting i think that we have seen like i think that we have seen well in this is a bit of like a a jump forward a little bit but i think with that new like um ability to sort of like go float upwards through rock i suppose like i think that was going to be quite key as well with respect to getting up to high places so i think like that might be yeah. something that could be uh, important there too but like yeah i i think that that's not been like fully explained, yeah, definitely.
0: But this one, he's so high up, like he's above. Oh, definitely the floating islands. Um, I, I I'll just say, I think it's really interesting that uh, you you see Zelda falling, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it I mean, she, like like it looks like to her death, her imminent doom, right? And then you know, Link failed to catch her, but then you see Link falling through the sky after that. And it cuts right to that. So there's yeah. like a parallel there. So I just, I, I, I wonder what, what they're actually building up to with with that uh, parallel.
1: Um, Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah you got, just, you got, yeah. um, uh, what is that? Not Ganon? What is his name? Demise?
1: Oh, so, yeah, Demise. Demise yeah. So Demise yeah. is like, Demise is like the, that's a, the core sort of like evil like sentiment mm. that like exists so like, the, within uh... Ganon in a sense. Yeah.
2: The hateful spirit that becomes yeah. the generations of Ganon. Hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's like the first, first, first evil. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Those tendrils yeah. look like uh, roots. Uh, they're like roots spreading quickly. That's it's a good point, Canada's actually.
1: Yeah. Here. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's a really good yeah. point. I, I like the fact that they've got like this kind of white, sort of like even white. It's like white-hot burning edge to them, kind of as well. Like it's not just all darkness and redness. Like There's a very specific kind of like white glow around the sides of them. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. And I, I like that idea that may, maybe those things are actually what is pushing up the whole castle, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. Well, um, that's a really good point actually as well because like we're seeing here like we have like a sort of like a big roar from like ganon here uh well like pr- proposed ganon here i suppose but like he again like he does a sort of like a big wide gesture with his arms and stuff and it looks like he's kind of like pushing in a sense and like yeah like that very much could be you know what is going on like when we're looking at the idea of these possible tendrils maybe even like they could turn into hands at one stage even but like it does look like they're pushing on the rock like and then we see see like this big sort of you know eruption of them later like it's really it really is quite cool yeah yeah it, it's it's one of the coolest things as well i think just the idea of like having that ability to like reshape the world and then again like what does the enemy do they reshape things they change how it is that the player could have to you know move around and then how does he, like react to that he learns how to you know like move with respect to through going through rock and stuff and being able to yeah. traverse upward now instead of, instead of just, like you know, laterally. And I think that's a really important thing as well. Like, the last game, obviously, very much was about being able to glide and paraglide, obviously. That was really important. Being able to use things like Rivali's Gale to get quite high up into the air. That's my favorite of the champion abilities, by the way. I, I love that one. But, uh, yeah, like, just that skill is so important with respect to traversal. And I think that now, imagining something like that in a world like this... Absolutely, just incredible um, capabilities and possibilities with respect to how high and far you could go. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it's it's <clears throat> the <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I I wanted to comment on the 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 ability to travel upward, but I'll I'll talk about that later. I think uh, once we get to that that.
1: Cool. Trailer. Yeah. Cool. Do hey, you want to skip make... to the next one now? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right. Cool.
2: I mean, I'll uh... go find it. The Dragon's Dogma concept was a tower that pierces through multiple worlds.
1: Ah, mm. okay, okay. Let's find that.
0: Just like the the world tree from various mythologies.
1: Ah, very true.
0: And also, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm rereading Aqua Night right now. That's that's how uh, that's how their yeah. world is constructed too. In Aqua Night, <laughs> awesome comic. That's one of my favorites
2: i gotta check this out yeah all right uh, so so we yeah, are no, currently on it no, no, i gotta use the bathroom okay cool cool yeah,
1: sure. we'll just it's we'll just wrap time. about the game real quick yeah Yeah. it's cool so basically one of the coolest things as well which i wanted to mention earlier i am super excited with the idea of just sky islands generally many people will know this but um will especially i'm a huge fan of d-pad studios owlboy it's one of the best games ever. I love it. It's really cool. It's huge part of my creative inspirational foundations. But also on top of that, it's just one of many games that like speaks to the idea of the wonder and awe of sky-based travel. I think that like being able to fly, being able to go and explore different dungeons and ruins and different cities different cities and different places full of just civilization like in the sky it's just it's always been like a dream for me i've always loved it i've always thought it was cool ever since even again thinking about going back to again one of my other foundational experiences with respect to games pokemon emerald favorite one of my favorite places that even though it's quite you know barren it, it's, it's sky pillar like i love the idea of you know an area that can just reach and pace through the clouds and kind of just be so high up above everything. I've I've just always always loved that in games. Well, what were some of your favorite sky areas, Richard?
0: Oh, in in games,
1: just in, in general, in general? Yeah,
0: just I guess, just I, just I, I just was, was just thinking <laughs> we could do a whole uh, podcast on this. It'd be, it'd be good oh, we definitely but, could. Um, and number one is uh, Zeal uh, from Chrono Trigger. To, 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 to okay, just the um, when you finally arrive there. Just, just, gosh, like, when you see the reveal of where you are, and it's just totally unlike anywhere else you've been in the game, and it's, like, so serene, and that, uh, that music pops up, and it is just so, such, like, gentle, uh, heavenly sounding music, um, it's so cool to me that is like the peak (laughs) sky island Hmm. uh, in video games because it as a kid playing that you know it really made me feel like it was there like it was really filled with like a sense of like oh my gosh like where am i what is this place how does it stay up oh my god you know like yeah we're we're a clouds you know
1: yeah yeah that's a big part of why one of my favorite, like, keep the films again, like castle in the sky. Oh, like, yeah. just like, I, I, I just absolutely love this idea of like this ancient civilization that like has existed for such a long period of time, just high above the clouds that like nobody, you know, has been able to access until now. Like, duh, duh, duh. like yeah, I've, I've just really, I've, I've always loved that. I've always loved that idea. I think that again, it speaks to also just in general, the idea of, you know, a peaceful place that is in essence, like, that was used as a weapon, but the reclamation that it received from nature sort of like reverted it in a sense to this sort of peaceful, sort of like just giant orb in the sky. And I think that's also something which is really important too. Another cool thing is again, like spoilers the end of the movie but like the way that like the the place kind of like is destroyed in essence is sort of it it sort of speaks to that sort of beautiful reclamation of nature sort of like coming back right like what happens you see all of the tech fall away and what's underneath it just tree roots and like Mm. just this beautiful giant tree of like just ancient origin just like floating around the earth it's just it's just so so cool to think about and just imagine it's a beautiful thing yeah
0: how how old were you when, when you saw a castle in the sky?
1: Um I was probably okay, so that was probably maybe six years ago. So it's probably like twenty, I think. Yeah, okay. Like yeah, something like that. It was probably yeah. about, about six ish years ago, I think. So. Yeah. Except yeah.
0: That's great that it like but, I mean, like I'm I'm sure you've seen tons of like floating islands in stuff, you know, absolutely. Yeah games Absolutely. anime but but that still was able to have like such a, a big impact right
1: absolutely it had such a huge huge impact man like it's it's kind of wild to think about actually because again like ask any of my friends i'll tell you like what are some of my favorite things just in games and just like or just in anything and like your floating islands are one like i love i love a lot of very kind of like peak shots to be honest like with people falling backwards into water i love when like time stops and like rain freezes in place like i love when there's like one very specific source of fire in an otherwise like blank dark uh, environment so just for example like imagine like a, a desert at nighttime, and then just like this one flame in the center. Like I, I love, I love, I love certain things like that. I, I've I've just always been a a big a big fan of uh of certain imagery, and I think that just floating islands to me, they've just always looked cool. I've I've just always loved that idea for as long as I could remember. So yeah. yeah, just seeing that be you know the main sort of focal point with respect to how it is, that we will be moving around this game. I'm very very excited, man. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Have, have you played uh skies of Arcadia
1: um okay so no actually no i know what oh. this game is yeah and i've been trying i've been trying to get to get the necessary stuff to play for like a while and it's, it's on the it's on the big list actually i just wrote a list recently of things that I want to uh to play and to buy and to yeah just to get into again and just yeah like that's a that's gonna be a big one that Yeah. One.
0: Oh, i hope that gets a re- isn't it gonna get like a re-release
1: um yeah is it? I, I possibly like. I I'm gonna like check that, was that out like pretty, now. But um, recently, but like you know that that
0: game was was tailor made for you. That is that yeah, is hello. the Sky Island game. You know.
1: Yeah. Like I. I so yeah. Uh, apparently, it is could be. This could be in the oh, works. I'm not sure if it's okay. official or not, but it's 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 alleged. But like okay. yeah, like this this could be re- this could be really cool. Yeah. I would be excited for this, honestly. Like, I would really, I I would like to play this. I've heard so much about the game. I've seen little bits and pieces from like different playthroughs when I was like much younger. Like that was like again early days of like YouTube. Like for, well, for me anyway, like 08, 09, 02010 times. But like yeah, like I definitely, definitely would love, 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 love to play that game for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I, I cannot wait for. I just cannot wait for Tears of the Kingdom. It's gonna be so much fun. Like yeah, yeah it's gonna be a really, really good time. Like it's it's quite funny actually as well, just because like one of my other favorite games, uh, Minish Cap, is uh it's quite high up on the Zelda, Zelda timeline. It's one. one of the yeah, yeah have that, you know, okay. So, so I, was just, cool. yeah. I was just gonna mention this as well. So if anybody hasn't, uh, Zelda if anyone doesn't know, Zelda the Minish Cap is a um game boy advanced game it's it's really really fun it's awesome it's one of the games in which you find out that link is able to in essence sort of like shrink down due to uh due to a power for from this uh, character called like ezlo so in essence well i'll I'll explain but basically like at the time like harold gets like ravaged by the forces of of evil until this race called the the pickery they're a tiny uh group of creatures bestowed a young hero link with a sorry, just best, bestowed a young hero with a picori blade and light force, using both to trap the world's uh, evils in a chest. So, the great people of Hyrule would hold an annual picori festival with legends stating that a door between their worlds would open every hundred years, allowing for the picori to return. So, basically, like in the present day, Link accompanies Princess Zelda to this picori festival, right? And the festival has like sword. Uh, the festival has a sword fighting champion called Vati. He destroys that, that Pickory blade and opens a chest, releasing monsters across Hyrule. And like not finding the light force that he seeks, Vati turns to, turns Zelda to stone and then leaves. Basically, only kids can see the Picori. They're, like these tiny little sort of like people. Like think like Princess Ariette. Like they're just really sort of like tiny little small like Tinkerbell pixies, basically. And like you you encounter this creature called As. Ez- so he's basically like a magical hat and he decides to accompany link and grants him the ability to shrink to picory size so picory who called himself minish in this world they task link with retrieving four elements uh, these magic stones needed to restore the picory blade and it's just like it's a really really fun game i loved playing it i i, I was lucky enough to play this because of the ambassador system uh the, the ambassador program that was on the nintendo 3ds system this was in essence a sort of a, a program of sorts that sort of let people who bought i think it was the Nintendo DS at full price. They were able to play a few NES, SNES, GBA games, in essence for free. And yeah, it gave them like a it gave them a cool choice of game. And that was how I played some classic games, such mm. as like Metroid Fusion, and like is it and other games like this. And yeah, like I was just super lucky and that I was able to be like a part of that. And I was just really, really happy when I saw and thought about different areas of the of the Zelda world, sort of like hearkening back to some places which I had. Um, always felt a huge amount of like reverence uh, for. It. I've always just been really happy about the way in which uh, Minish Cap handled the uh, the the sky elements of its world. It's really cool.
0: Hey, did you did you know that was developed by uh, Capcom and Flagship? Flagship was a company founded by uh, Yoshiki Okamoto, the the you know designer of uh, Final Fight, Street Fighter Two, lots of Capcom. Whoa! It's, a, it's actually the, the so cool. secret Capcom Zelda game.
1: That's actually uh, wild. Yeah,
0: yeah. That and uh, there, there was one oh. game before it that was also uh, developed uh, by by Capcom, published
1: by Nintendo. Okay. Of course. Um, it, okay, of course.
0: It it uh, four four swords, four swords. I think. Of what, course, one, yeah,
1: four swords, yeah. Uh,
0: or, sorry, four sorry, swords sorry. No, adventures. No, 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 no. Uh, Oracle of seasons
1: and Oracle. Oh, and, of, and Oracle ages. of
0: Ages. Those were also Capcom. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I was literally just reading something about this right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got, I got He's
0: just slipped,
3: yeah,
1: slipped through my, my grass. Oh, I did want to play them. Um, one, yeah. one of these days we, we will have to have like a Minish Cap podcast because my, Friend, that is literally one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite Zelda games. Between that and like Oracle, no, no, sorry. Between that and Ocarina of Time, I almost said Oracle Seasons again because I just said it. But yeah, like between that one, and Ocarina of Time, those are definitely like my overall kind of like favorites. But I'm looking at Tears of the Kingdom, and I think it might be uh added to that, uh, added to that list right there. It's gonna be, a, yeah. it's gonna be a ton of fun. I, yeah. I, I, oh, and, I, and Breath of the Wild, of course. I, I yeah. got it. I
0: gotta play. I um, I always really like the art style of it. It. it, it, it yes. Is- it's got it's own unique take on the uh pixel art legacy of uh of the Zelda series and yeah of course it feels very much like Zelda but it also it looks like a Capcom game. <laughs> it's got that Yeah, honestly.
1: That, uh yeah yeah one of the most one of the most amazing things about this game again as i've mentioned before like i'm a pixelist like i love the fact that they were able to so specifically show the different types of material up close Mm. at scale like it is wonderful like i just sent in like a like a, a, a gif here so for example you see small um, pickery link sort of like walking across like a bunch of, you know, wooden slats and beams that exist above a house. And like, for example, if you thought about that, you would think, okay, so imagine there's a oh je- there's, there's a race of people that are so small living uh, living on this like tiny little area. But like the way that they show, not just the detail, but the way that they stylize it, the way they give it such character, the way that they give it wow. such a beautiful sort of sense of like, you know, life and and, and playfulness. It's really, really good art. It's oh, beautiful. gorgeous. Art. Okay, I got to yeah. play this. I got to play this
0: i i heard yeah. it was originally criticized for being relatively short but for me that's a bonus <laughs> like,
1: oh sorry that's... you cut out there It was originally criticized for being what sorry oh uh
0: some i, I upon release people <clears throat> some you know some people were like oh the game's too short but i i think for a lot of people okay, today right. with such a huge back catalog of games to go to through like that's that's a bonus i i want like a concentrated yeah. fun experience honestly
1: uh... The huge, huge, huge degree. Like I'm, I'm, I am a huge enjoyer of the short game of, oh, of wow. numerous different short games like it doesn't have to be super super long yeah so i sent another gif this is him sort of like this is link being sort of like transformed down into into mini size so one of the cool ways that that happens right actually do you know what? i'll find like a little video and show you okay. uh, but yeah basically what happens is link he's able to jump into certain like pots or into certain like small uh receptacles of sorts basically and he'll he will shrink in size as he falls through right? it re- it's really cool to look at so
0: very, shrink yeah. the um yeah. the graphics in this awesome. look they look very modern they look like a modern high you know what they call high bit kind of kind of style right mm-hmm. it, it, it looks similar to like you know owl boy or something like that like uh, I mean I think game boy advance games in general just kind of established like a very modern pixel art look like where um in, they they in look very ways. different from like Super Nintendo games, I think. But uh, this game particularly yeah. looks like embodies like a very Game Boy Advance aesthetic, right? Like you, it. Absolutely, it's, so it's, cool. it's
1: one of the it's one of the coolest things. Like yeah. I, I'm a huge I'm a huge enjoyer of the way in which that the um the here's, here's one for the shrink poles. But yeah, like I'm a huge enjoyer of, of the way that they sort of been able to perfectly blend like the different types of, for example, like tree different areas of like. Different areas of flora in the world, and like just how it is that they make sure that the player is able to just like just notice and recognize different, you know, layers of like grass on the ground, or just the way that like water ripples and stuff. Like, it's not about it being like realistic, quote unquote, but it's the stylization of it that brings such a character, that brings such a specific direction and feel that is so impressive to me. I've I've always always loved this about it. It's. I'm trying to find this now.
2: It, it's uh everything you see is like something that matters. oh absolutely it's a game where you shrink it's like when there's a hole in the wall it's like oh i can definitely get there exactly yeah
1: yeah oh gosh i was trying to find this um one specific shrinking animation but like yeah it's kind of hard to find in like good quality yeah i'll have to show it to you another time then but yeah like it was it's really really cool to look at basically like it's a beautiful game if anyone else is hasn't played it or ha- hasn't heard of it before that would just be uh, the legend of zelda the minish cap you should definitely definitely check it out or just watch watch a playthrough of it just find out about it in any way that you can, because it's a huge, huge and very interesting part of Zelda's history as well, and I think that it'll have lots of things in it that you will find to be more relevant than you might have believed prior, so yeah, really cool stuff, but anyway, so showing that back to, shoving that off the side, we're going to hop into the launch timing update for the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, so that video again is on the Nintendo of America channel, so that's a launch timing update for the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, we're going to watch that now, and I'm going to
2: and, and you can uh, turn up the volume, too. OK, cool. So I'll turn it up, some. The, We can still talk over it, yeah.
1: Cool, cool, cool. I just want to make sure that we could all because there's
2: nice other, so. music details.
1: OK, cool. All right, Let's get it then, all right. So yeah, that, that'll, uh, three...
0: uh, that'll show up in the recording, too. Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. That's fine, That's Cool. Yeah. Three, two, one, play.
4: Konnichiwa.
1: Oh, one sec. <laughs> Oh, it's in slow motion. It's still
4: in slow motion. We'll <laughs> in video. Let's try that again. <laughs> okay, three, two, one, play. of <laughs> Kai 発売を2023年春に変更させていただきたいと 新たな遊び
0: I like how um at the yeah. beginning his his bow went into went into link free falling.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like that. But yeah, it, it's really it's really interesting to think about like the way in which that again like they've they had to sort of um obviously let us know that the game was being like delayed, but on top of that too, like they still gave us something to think about about in this trailer for example just like having a look at this beautiful beautiful shot or the beautiful shot which we've seen before but then after this almost immediately we get to see something new we get to see link holding the new master sword that has been destroyed seemingly it's really really cool Hmm.
2: it's melted
1: yeah, exactly. It's like oh, yeah. melted, corrupted, like it's very, very much destroyed now. This is not the same Master Sword that you know. Like the sort of hilt of it, seemingly unscathed, like the upper half, completely, completely broken, destroyed, eroded, corroded, just all of it, just terrible, rusted even. <laughs> like it looks, it looks utterly destroyed. But also, One interesting thing about it too, the way in which it looks destroyed, I think that might give us some clues as to what it is that could have not just happened to it, but what it is that could have even happened to Link and his arm even, for example. Like, it's kind of like, to me, like the same color as his arm in parts, like the same kind of like burnt sort of like steel, well steel, the same kind of burnt metallic material is like the same kind of general color that his new kind of arm is. It's like a tattoo color almost. And I think that's that's kind of interesting to, to look at.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's got some holes in it. It looks really like corroded.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely still quite sharp and jagged, but I don't think that he'll be using this as like a weapon. However, he might. We'll see.
2: Feels a little organic. Reminds me of Machin X.
1: Yeah,
0: that's that's what I was looking up. I was trying to get a picture of the sword, the living sword for Machin X, right? Yeah, yeah, that shape is really similar. here, I'll mm-hmm. post it in the chat.
1: Cool, but um, yeah, like I, I really like that we that we at least got to see something new here as well. But this also kind of gives people something to think about with respect to the idea of you know what happens to beings or or the idea of beings that lived possibly within the sword even. For example, that was a huge part of like Zelda's uh history with respect to the Master Sword and how it is that it exists within the the lore. And did you want to talk about that a little bit? The Master Sword? Yeah, yeah. Do you do you know about like how um the uh the the idea of like that character, like was it Phi or Phi that lives within the sword from Skyward Sword?
2: Oh no, I don't really know much about it.
1: Okay, it's fair enough, fair enough. I'll I'll get into it like just a, just a bit briefly then. In essence, like, there is basically a character who exists within the, the Zelda canon, I suppose, like, basically. And, uh, yeah, like, she is called uh, Fi. She's a humanoid spirit but resides within the sword. Uh, and, yeah, like, it's it's really quite cool. That sword was eventually... Well, no. Uh, she resided within a sword called, like, the Goddess Sword, which eventually becomes the Master Sword. So, according to, like, Hyrule Historia, she was, like, designed to appear, like, kind of, like, age, like, 13 or 14, so she's kind of, like, a child-like spirit. And she has a metallic appearance, and her voice is quite, like, robotic which kind of yeah. gives an impression that she kind of has like no emotions but like she exists in essence as like one of link's uh helpers so to speak it's thought that fire even the name itself is supposed to be based on like a classical like, abbreviation of like Fide- fidelis or fidelis which means like faithful or loyal so it kind of perfectly you know sums her up as a role uh, sums her up in her role as an aide to link on his journey so yeah, yeah, I think it's just a really cool and interesting thing. But like, yeah, like, she in essence existed within it, and people are probably wondering what has happened to her now that this sword has been destroyed. Yeah, interesting. Oh,
2: kind of looks like uh, Fatima from Metropolis. Okay, hmm. but uh, not like there's a strong connection. I think that's more like that's how you make a attractive robot lady. <laughs> Yeah, it, that it's still very much feels like a, a like a thing that was built.
1: No, definitely, definitely. I think that um, yeah, it. What well, one of the things that I've always thought were very interesting, just in general, about like Zelda and their um and their ability to craft characters who are so meaningful, who help Link out in terms of their uh, ability to help as like sidekicks, kind of like. They've always kind of had a version of a sidekick type character, be it, you know, like Midna, be it, you know, various different forms of like Zelda and how it is that she like has existed. But also on top of that now, in Breath of the Wild, we never got that. We didn't actually have like a a dedicated like sidekick, I suppose. And like, that's a really interesting change, don't you think? Like we never actually really received a sort of specific character to follow along and help us in a specific way and i think that that really speaks to again the idea of link sort of really being on his own in this sort of version of the world and i think that's going to be a really interesting thing to look at
3: Hmm.
1: but yeah i I genuinely just cannot wait to just um dive into more of these uh trailers I i think i'm ready to do you guys want to hop in for the next one
2: yeah uh i'll just say the uh destroyed master sword it uh also, it kind of looks like it was unmade because it resembles like the uh, raw sandy ore that you would make uh, swords out of in Japan, oh, wow. like the tamahagane.
3: Oh wow! Oh, and yeah, it
0: does, and really
2: it does like have an kind of organic feeling. It does.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the natural like uh, yeah, holes in it.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah
1: and andy will know a lot about like sword creation because uh, oh, yeah. he's uh, the 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 big sword professional of the of the group
3: yeah
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah absolutely that that's that'll actually be very interesting I, that's a whole other podcast but like i'd love to talk to you more about like just your thoughts on weapons and games and stuff because Oh, yeah. That's a huge, huge topic, but like, we'll get into that another time for sure. But yeah, okay, so I think the next one that we'll do is the official trailer number one from 2022. So I'm going to have a little look for that right now, and then we'll get into it. So, uh...
2: Yeah, the sound is very important in this one.
1: Definitely. So, so I'm going to we'll turn this one up. Yeah. Okay, uh, we'll, while, we'll get while that a little. we're talking on. about
0: the swords, um, yeah, I, I, did, I didn't know there was a spirit that lived in the... Uh... The Master Sword. Fi was her name.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I forget. So some people pronounce it differently, but yeah, some Fee. people say Fi, some people fi. say Fi. But yeah, I think right. I think it. I think it's Fee, but okay. Fee, fi, fi. Yeah, whichever. But I think that one of the coolest things about that, yeah, like just the fact that this character, yeah, is this kind of embodiment of like a uh of a helper, so so to speak, but also kind of is this really cool. Um, it, yeah it's, it's just this really cool sort of like intelligent humanoid spirit i guess that you could say uh just helps out and just resides within a, a, the sword it's, it's just a really cool idea yeah
2: yeah there are um i've seen artwork in like old chinese art where like there is a a being emerging from a weapon to show how powerful it is oh wow like in uh in Journey to the West with the Monkey King, like his uh staff, sometimes like in some stories, it's able to transform into like, like a demon and then go beat people up.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but I'm not sure then... <laughs> like if it's connected to older stories or like if yeah. it's only in certain versions. Something okay. I need to just go look up.
0: So so Fi is in uh is in she's in the... Breath of the Wild.
2: No, no. She was in Skyward Sword. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Yeah, Skyward Sword.
1: All... Did she appear in Breath of the Wild?
2: Um, oh uh, no, I, I no, no. I didn't Referred
0: think to... so. But um, no, like the Zelda people Wiki. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So what what is that about? Why? Why? Uh, just why would the Zelda Wiki say that
1: she was in?
2: Oh uh, no, she's. She seems to. To talk to Zelda at one point
1: that, that was, I was just gonna mention this like in a in appearance like in like a physical appearance like no but many people like in essence do say that like yeah like it's a uh, implied that oh, like okay. that she that she speaks like to Zelda but also that she it, it's implied that she exists like as a presence in certain in certain cut I, mean, uh, I I don't want to like Specifically get into, like, within the sword. That, yeah. uh, in in essence like that is where it is that she's uh mm-hmm. that she's speaking yeah. kind of like from basically she's not like in person but she's referred to like several times and she kind of like speaks to zelda like on okay. one like occasion but yeah. yeah basically like zelda questions links like skills with the sword and like she refers to like to fire like in a fee like indirectly but yeah saying that the legends have a voice asking within the sword if asking if link can hear it basically and that's yeah. an inference uh based okay. upon okay. the idea that that's obviously what happens in scout so it's a, yeah, yeah it's a it's kind of like a callback callback yeah,
0: yeah. I just wanted to say that that kind of ties it to i I don't know if Machin X was a, a an actual influence, but uh, when when I saw the degraded sword, it reminded me of mm-hmm. the old Atlas game. Machin X came out for the Dreamcast, was re-released on p s two. And in that game, the main character wields uh, a sword, and that uh, secretly within the sword is this uh, this living being. Uh, that can that can uh, control the mind of you know whoever is wielding the sword and then you, oh, you wow, use that cool. sword to like uh, take over the bodies of any any enemy that you fight in the game. So oh, that's just, cool. like, <laughs> body jack and other people and um the just the shape of the, the actual secret thing within the sword is very similar to the degraded tip of the sword. Hey
2: you uh you so cut quite a few times yeah. Seconds.
3: yeah
0: okay well um It'll sound fine for the readers, uh, sorry, the listeners. Sure, sure. <laughs> but I'll, I'll say it again. Um, so in Machinax, uh, you know, uh, the the tip of the sword in Tears of the Kingdom, it, it's really similar in. It, it's just got a very specific shape language that's similar to the sword in Machinax, okay. and then the sword in Machinax has little roots coming off of it too. uh You know, uh, visually, right? Sort of a, a visual. uh Reference to how it, it 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 can take over other people's minds. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, anything similar happens in in uh, Tears of the Kingdom. This is probably just a coincidence, but um, you know, just a fun 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 to make that connection. Okay,
1: cool, cool, cool. I I, I really like that. I've always loved the idea of like powerful swords at And you know? I've always liked the idea of that. Yeah. I think that um another just very quick favorite. <clears throat> Uh, do you guys remember the sword of dialect from the uh, Darkstalkers? Of course, gotta mention that again. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. that's just super, super cool. There was a, there was one of the coolest scenes from uh, one of the comic books. Actually, there was there were Dark Stalkers comics, uh, Udon Entertainment, uh, and a few others like were involved in the creation of those. But I remember very specifically showing again, shout out Rochelle, one of my best friends from uni days. Like, uh, we talked very hyped in a very hyped way just about a scene where Donovan goes into a tomb and he shuts this giant like stone wall behind him and then he's like all right like die like i've heard that you like you are a consumer powerful sword and then like die like not wanting to like be controlled by like anybody it just like erupts from like the this pedestal and it just like slashes him like a thousand times in like three seconds or something and then it's just like hovering like right there after it's just done it and then and then he's just like all right i'm gonna have to like basically like make this sword like tame basically and it just and it, i just imagined him and this sword just fighting each other for like 30 days and 30 nights or something and Then him like just coming out of the tomb and being like all right this sword's like mine now it's just it's just so <laughs> cool to think about like yeah just really 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 cool stuff with a sentient sword if you saw that if your story has a sentient sword in it i'm I'm probably going to enjoy it so yeah <laughs> just really really cool yeah. stuff in there but yeah Let, let's get into this 30 30- days right. of the kingdom trailer so for anyone else listening now i'm going to do a little countdown we are on the legend of zelda here's
5: hello everyone this is Sean from the editing room. This uh, recording goes on for another I think two and a half hours or so so I'm gonna uh, cut this one here. We didn't plan to cut this into two episodes but it's it's so long I think it's worth doing. So that's why we're uh, going to cut episode 80 here and we'll start a little bit before uh, AJ jumps into uh, the trailer analysis at this part. Uh, so thank you for listening, and please look forward to Episode 81, uh, Part 2 for the Tears of the Kingdom uh, discussion. And, of course, uh, for uh, Art Eater, you can follow us on Twitter at Arteater Podcast, as well as on uh, any podcasting, podcasting platform that uh, you are on. And, of course, check us out at art-eater.com, uh, A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R, dot com and yeah thanks for listening bye